Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to today's, this week's Outsports podcast. Uh, it is March the 2nd, and uh, Sid, we've had a supremely busy last uh, two weeks with God, how many coming out stories we've had and big stories, and it kind of, it, it, it sort of has a momentum of its own. Well, I remember a couple people telling me that when Donald Trump was uh, elected president that it was going to put a chill over the whole LGBT community and people would stop coming out and they would be so stricken with fear that uh, that our coming out stories would dry up. And it's unbelievable how these stories just keep coming and coming and coming and coming, I think maybe faster than ever before. Well, I think some people think they want to be more visible. I mean, there's been nothing. Well, there was the uh, thing the Justice Department is not going to support uh, the trans uh, actions that the Obama administration taken, but there hasn't been anything else overt against LGBT people. So um, whatever fear people had initially has dissipated in that sense. But I do think people just feel in general visibility is the key, um, regardless of it, and I do think we had one today, uh, a, a football player from Williams College who wrote a great uh, first-person coming-out story, um, and he's he's uh, no longer in football, correct? Or he's out of he's he graduated? Yeah, he uh, he graduated a year ago, so um, uh, 2015 was his last season playing for Williams. But that's how many football we've had: three football players, four four football players in two weeks, including three active. Yeah. Yeah, right, we I had uh, the. Well, yeah, I mean, we that is that is three active football players who have told who've done their coming out stories either for us or for other publications, um, and then Etienne who uh, literally just kind of uh, got done playing at Williams College. So, and that's a sport that for the longest time had been really hard to find. Um, yeah, and and what's interesting about Etienne's story, which I I love, is when he first told told me, I, I, you know. He, so it, he came out to his team accidentally. Asara Tuolo was on campus, uh, the former gay, former NFL player, doing a, a talk. And Etienne got to chat with Asara a bit, and Etienne came out to Asara. And at dinner that night with a bunch of the football players, Asara asked the, uh, the, the team, like seven, eight, nine guys uh, who were there, what they thought of having an openly gay teammate. And Etienne hadn't told any of them that he was gay yet. So Azera <laughs> accidentally outed uh, these outed Etienne to his teammates um, and ap- apologized profusely. He 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 thought Etienne had said he was out to them, but he but Etienne had been out was out just out to some people on campus, and it was you know it ended up working out great because the teammates told Etienne, "Don't worry about it. You know we support you. It doesn't matter, and and you know we're not going to tell anybody. And if you want to tell other people, you can, and you know we support you." So it, it, there was like a moment of utter horror for Etienne and for Sarah. Frankly, he was mortified that it happened, but it, it ended up working out well because he, Etienne got to see, you know, I don't have to hide that, you know, I, I can actually be supported here. 
Yeah, and probably most of his teammates already had some suspicions or something. But um, it's interesting too that we had uh, we had a story by Eric Hall on as, uh, a linebacker in Illinois, Kyle Kurzlioic, who came out, and then he inspired another football player, uh, Darren McAllister, to tell his story to a local newspaper. And he sort of credited Kyle with being the guy who kind of prompted him to finally tell his story publicly. Um, so that, to me, was a classic example of one person kind of blazing the trail for the other. And then we had one that you called me with last week that broke over the weekend of Mike King Johnson, who is an defensive lineman, pass rusher type um, from Arizona High School, who is one of the highest recruited players, the, the top-rated defensive lineman in the state of Arizona, among the top in the country, and he is signed to enroll and play football at University of Arizona, and he will be the first openly gay scholarship athlete at a FBS, which is the major college uh, uh, program ever, and he'll be the first ever player to ever play a down, assuming, which he will play a down, probably starting September 2nd. And that's really kind of historic. And I guess I want to talk first about the Mike King Johnson story and what its relevance was. Uh, I got I got asked about that by a radio station this week, and I had my opinions. I'd like to hear what you think about how how relevant it is, what it means, um, and just in general the, the, how the story came about. Well, first, you know, we don't know that he'll be the first because there's six months before the football season, so well, he may true. be. He could easily be joined joined by others. I think. People assume that he that you know well he's going to be the only one between now and and September and you know we know of some Division One college football players who are gay so who knows maybe maybe they'll join them uh, but what what's the the relevance I think you know for me the relevance of all of these stories is what a non-story it is uh, uh, people continue to push this idea. And I think I beat this drum every single week, and I'm going to keep beating it until people start listening. People continue to push this idea that it's hard to be openly gay in sports, that you could be rejected by your teammates and your coaches, that you could lose your scholarship, you can lose your friends, you can lose your family, you can lose everything if you come out as gay. That every single time that we know of, and my king is yet another example the, uh, the complete opposite happens. He's been out since he was 12. No issues with his teammates. No issues with his mom. The, uh, the, 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 his position coach at the University of Arizona is excited to, to, to possibly coach the first openly gay all-pack 12 player. I mean, yet we keep being told about all this homophobia in football and you and I are looking, you and I are trying to find it, and we can't find it. Well, I still think it goes back to it's the coming out process in general that I think is what restricts people because people still struggle to come out for a million different reasons in their own personal life. That has nothing to do with the locker room or that setting. Um, and I do think Mike King's story is – I mean, it still is newsworthy because when you're the first or even one of the first, it's going to be news. Uh, but the minute he steps on the field after the first little brief flurry, which it'll be of, oh, here's this gay player, it's going to be like he's going to be judged solely on how he performs. And I think his long-term relevance might be more, and I wrote a column about this week, 
you and I have been hearing this term for years, the you know, the organic pro athlete, the guy who's been gay since he's been in high school, and by the time he reaches the pros, it's not this immediate feeding frenzy because, oh, God, that's such old news. Well, I have no idea if Mike King is good enough or wants to play in the NFL, but in four years, if he is, and assuming no one else has come out before that, he could be a person that when he is drafted and signed, there is no big, great, you know, ring of the hands and drama. Over oh my God, we're, we're going to draft a gay player because he'll have proven for four years at the University of Arizona that it was not a big deal. And I do think that's where maybe his his long-term importance could be, because he's been out since he was 12 years old. So he was out in high school. When he was recruited, you know all these other coaches knew they were getting a guy who was openly gay. It wasn't like it was a secret, and he's never made it a secret. And so I think that's the beauty of it, that by simply being who he is, he's sort of become you know a, a bit of a trailblazer with simply doing what he does, which is play football and not sort of have to stand up and, and you know make a big deal about it. So I do think that there is that relevance because it's still unique. But I do think the dynamic with the coming out is more about what's inside a person's brain and head and family and all the history and the culture and religion more so than the actual institutions of the locker room anymore because you said the Arizona position coach is excited. He says, I want to have the first gay all pack 12 defensive lineman in my thing. That'd be a big, that'd be a great thing for this guy. Yeah. Well, you know, that, that organic part, I remember the first time Dan Woog um, talking, talking about this, like, yeah, it's just going to be somebody. And and he was talking about this 15 years ago, how, you know, it, it could be somebody who doesn't declare, who's just out in junior high school, out in high school, out in college. Like he's just, out he's just been out from day one he's just never hidden and i mean that's listen there are, there are, there are many ways that this all can happen right that's kind of the the, the jackie robinson route ja- jackie robinson you know was was brought in as a black player and and this guy could be brought in well he he is being brought into college football as an openly gay player and uh instead of having to you know make a name for himself and then declare. So like, you know, this is just another way to have another face to the movement. And that's, that to me is the important thing. Again, showing what, showing kids what a non-issue this is for the vast majority of people in sports that of course, everyone is afraid of coming out. Everybody has some, some fear of it, but you don't have to be, afraid of your teammates or your coach you might you be on the one team that that ends up rejecting you yeah and that's where the fear comes right that's i i might be the one kid who gets kicked off his team because he's gay but you know the vast majority that the chances of that are slim and 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 the examples to the contrary are are you know are i mean we, we can't even enumerate them at this point yeah, we also also make the point that that there are a lot more athletes who are out to their teams than we ever write about because they're choosing, for whatever reason, to simply not go the next step and be public about it. I mean, which is, they're right, but they are comfortably out on campus and to their friends and to their teammates. So you had that poll taken by ESPN a few years ago that I think something like 80% of the people and the uh, players in the pack 12 at the time, maybe four or five years ago, said they have played with a gay teammate at some point. I mean, right. so it's not it's not news to players that they may have, you know, a gay team. And I know there's one major college program that I was told by someone very well in the know. There were five players on the team that everybody knew were gay. 
And, you know, none of them wanted to come out publicly, but this is the reality. And so I do think the dynamic is more about, you know, and we still read stories of people who aren't in major sports who still struggle with the coming out, and you and I edit and read these stories, and it is still amazing how that is such a personal thing, the coming out, even if there are a million other examples it's your example and what if, you know, and the fear and all the stuff. And so I think that's the biggest impediment. If people kind of say that, you know, sports are homophobic, well, there is still homophobia everywhere, but the dynamic is such that you had this kid being recruited by 11, 11 or 12 schools, major schools, all of had to know he was gay because he didn't hide it, right? He was he was yeah. out since he was twelve. It wasn't like, oh my God, this guy is this guy's gay. So they actually still sought out and recruited him. He assigned initially with UCLA. He went to Arizona, from what I heard, more because the idea that he would probably maybe be able to make a greater impact there. The Arizona defense was pretty shaky last year, so and maybe there was some hometown stuff. But you had eleven programs basically saying, I don't care. <laughs> Yeah, I well, want this he, guy. He, he can rush. He could rush the passer, whatever. He, he said he want, one of the big reasons he went to Arizona because they just simply they wanted him more. That's what he felt. Yeah. Uh, so you know that was a big factor. But you know this is also <laughs> this isn't some tiny little program nestled away in the corner of Idaho. This is the University of Arizona. They've been to a bowl game. I think it's eight of the last ten years. They have one of the highest profile head coaches in the in the entire sport, Rich Rodriguez. This 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 is a major 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 program at a Power Five conference. Uh, and and you know to your point, you have some I, I can I, you're trying to think of all the rationalizations that people give of why he would be accepted and why this is not an issue. He was recruited by Texas A&M. Texas A&M isn't exactly some some uh, liberal arts college on the West Coast. Texas A&M is you know a, a a major football program in the state of Texas, right? And in the SEC now. I, I can't even keep track of which team. They're in the They're SEC, and it's Von right? Miller, it's yeah, bon Miller School, so they know pass rushers when they see him at Texas A&M, right. and this, this kid can rush the passer. Yeah, so, uh, so again, you know, this is a major program in a major conference with a major head coach, and everything's going to be fine, and it's going to be fine. Yeah, and so I, I think that it reflects this idea that at least among a lot of coaches, it doesn't it doesn't matter to them. And again, for all we know, they have gay players already on their team, right? That we just don't, you know, that they haven't told us or haven't come out. And so I think we have to give some of these coaches a little more credit that they're not so naive and are in the dark. And so when you have people like Nick Saban saying, if I don't open the gay player, I'd be fine with it. I believe him because all Nick Saban wants to do is, can you help my team win? Um, and so I do think the Mike King Johnson story is one that just by being himself, he doesn't have to give another interview about being gay as far as I'm concerned in his entire college career. I mean, by he simply, and I think the Jackie Robinson analogy was interesting because of course, you know, Jackie Robinson had a noticeable skin color difference with, you know, white players. So he couldn't hide. Mike King in essence is saying, I'm not hiding here. I am. So in some ways he has a Jackie Robinson esque thing about him because he's starting his career he's not out in a, as a junior or a right. sophomore he's starting his career as an openly gay player so we're going to see this play out but the good news is it's kind of been like oh that's nice and people have written about it but it's not been a big story because there's no reason to make a big story and rich rodriguez was asked about it and he basically said 
good for him, but I'm just caring. Could he could he rush the passer? <laughs> you know, which um, which on a defense is these days it is the single most important position. The have you have a guy who can get to the quarterback is is the most important position right now on a defense. I think on, on any team. Um, Bill Walsh said a late game pass rush is the single biggest key to winning uh, big games, and they got a guy who can rush the passer. So I think we're going to see it play out organically on the field, and we'll write about him because he is a gay player because we're a LGBT sports website. But it's not like every reference at ESPN, Mike King Johnson, comma, who is gay, comma, had four sacks against <laughs> USC. I mean, that's not what they say. Yeah, well, we know that this – well, one reporter wrote to me kind of frustrated that, well, I can't get Mike King Johnson to talk to me. They're not, he's not doing any interviews. I'm like, good. <laughs> I'm glad. You know, you do one – this is what – I remember when Michael Saab came out. Do one interview. In that case, he did two interviews. Do two interviews and then shut up and focus on football. It's, it's, it's absolutely the right way to do it. Get it out there. Done. And now you focus on football, and and for Mike King, continue to focus on his studies and other things that 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 students have to do. So there's no why would he why would he do interviews? Like what what else is there to say? Like what are you going to ask him that is not in that article? There's coaches, there's teammates, there's mom, there's him. Just there's nothing else to ask him. So move on and let the kid focus on his studies and his football. Yeah, and again, since he's been out, since he's been 12, he's had five years to process this. This has not been something that he's been wrestling with for five years, whatever wrestling he did, and he apparently you know, had some conflict about it like a lot of people do. I wasn't out at 12. I wasn't even aware I was gay at 12. So more power to Mike King Johnson, and we'll be following him as a, as a football player. But I wanted to shift gears to a story that actually was our most read story of the week and in recent times, and it is uh, – a wrestler in Texas, Mac Beggs, who won the state 110-pound wrestling title. And Max uh, Beggs is a transgender boy. And the kicker here is Max Beggs won the girls' division because he was forced to wrestle in the girls' division by the State Athletic Association, which ruled that transgendered athletes have to wrestle uh, in the gender division of the sex as under birth certificate. And it's bizarre, and Mac won unbeaten and, and won the championship, but it, it was one of those stories that had people shaking their heads for the total absurdity of it. Well, yeah, I, I mean, it's but <laughs> my favorite part of the, all, all this, the conversation that Mac has created is has been Twitter, which, which usually I can't stand, uh, but, you know, we've tweeted this out, and, and SB Nation tweeted it out, and SB, they've been very supportive of this story. The response was constant, this is, this is awful. Why is he wrestling girls? And I'd probably responded to 50 people. We couldn't agree more. Go tell the Republicans in Texas, and it is the Republicans. This is a, across the country, this is a Republican-pushed issue. Uh, to go tell the Republicans in Texas who disagree with you that, that because they think that he should be wrestling girls. And they're all like, oh, no, what, what do you mean? The revival? <laughs> they flustered. Like, they, they, they can't imagine. Like, well, what do you mean? I thought I was agreeing with the Republicans. But no, the, the, the Republicans and the conservatives have pushed this idea that 
transgender people are not transgender, that they must, they, they must identify as the sex that's on their birth certificate, uh, and that's the way it is, and that's what Mac did. That's what Mac has done. And, 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 and now they're all upset they're, they're, because he's followed their rules. Well, and he, well, let's be clear, he wants to wrestle in the boys' division. He has asked that specifically. And another thing that bothered a lot of these people is, well, he's taking testosterone. Well, he's allowed by the same state association uh, to take testosterone as a medical necessity of his transitioning. So they then almost want to blame him for doing what he should be doing and not blaming the idiots who, who, who 95% of the athletic board, whatever group votes on this, agreed with this policy. And it's just so absurd, and to the point where one of the mothers of one of the uh, people he defeated, uh, girls, basically said she, I mean, she felt for both, she, she thought it was unfair that her daughter had to wrestle Mac because he was stronger, but at the same time didn't blame him because he was doing what the only option he had. The only other option was literally to not wrestle, which is kind of insane to tell an athlete you can't compete at all. Um, and so I think the, the outpouring, and Mac is really a very strong person because the media crush on this at this, I mean, he's wrestling. Texas is not a big wrestling state compared to some in the Midwest like Iowa or Pennsylvania, yeah. but there were like cameras and, you know, uh, video people there at every one of his matches last weekend because yeah. it was a news story. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people tied themselves up in knots trying to defend this, which is nonsensical. So if you agree with the policy, then you should have no problem with Mac wrestling in the girls' division. Then don't complain if he wins because you said this is what you want to have happen. Otherwise, you change the policy. I mean, it, well, it really question, is – Well, the question now is what, what are they going to do next? Mac is a junior. Mac is, has another year of eligibility. Mac's – Mac's going to be back to defend his state title in the girls' division. What are they going to do between now and then to stop him from wrestling? Because my guess is, my guess is they're going to put forward policies that prevent him from wrestling anybody. Because they, they can't let him wrestle the boys. If they let him wrestle the boys, then they've admitted that he's transgender and that trans, uh, being transgender is a real thing. And if they let him wrestle the girls – well, then that's unfair, and you're opening a can of worms. So my guess is they're going to put forward some policy that prevents him from wrestling anybody, which goes, which goes against the entire purpose of scholastic athletics, which is, which is to encourage participation and personal best and competition. Not who's got disadvantage over who. What. It, it's how to use sports and athletics to help educate the students. And my, and my guess is the the Texas conservatives and Republicans are going to figure out a way to keep him off the mat entirely. Yeah, I think that is absolutely 100% accurate, that they, don't, they will not – I mean, the Dallas Morning News quoted someone saying they're not changing the policy. So they will come up with some weird concoction, some thing that will be literally written just for Mac that will prevent him, and if he wants to sue, by the time the suit gets settled, the season will be over. Um <clears throat> Yeah, I, I do. I do agree that they'll try to. My guess, they'll have something to do with the testosterone, or they'll find some wrinkle. But yeah, they don't want to admit they have this ridiculously prejudicial and outdated policy, and so they will simply find a way to, you know, prevent him from wrestling. Period. So, but I mean, I give my hats off to him. I mean, he did not. He he took this and he trained 
seriously. This was not a joke to him. This was not a this was not he didn't do this because he was trying to prove a point. He did this because he wants to be an athlete. He's an athlete and he wants to compete. And this was the choice of what he was given. This is the division you have to wrestle in and he accepted that. And I mean, good for him. And I, I'm just sort of proud of, of somebody like that young to sort of stand up for it and and, you know, not kind of shirk away and also not feel the pressure. I mean, I couldn't deal with all those cameras around me for, you know, hovering over me, but he just handled himself like, you know, someone who was a lot more mature than most 17-year-olds are. Again, the, the, the beauty of this story is how clearly it points to the backward nature of HB2 in North Carolina and the proposed SB6 in Texas and all of these laws that force transgender people to pretend that they're not transgender. And, uh, you know, I, I mean, I, 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 hope, I hope it has opened up some people's eyes in Texas. I hope this helps prevent SB6 along with all of the other reasons to stop it. But you know we'll see the next the next couple of months will be interesting to watch in in, in, in Texas. I mean, trans transgender rights, the center of trans transgender rights right now, are, are, are is Texas. And you know I, I don't know I don't know what's going to happen. What well, was interesting I had watched Hardball last week with Chris Matthews, who's a bit of a blowhard, but sometimes he's a blowhard in a good way because he had on Laverne Cox. Uh, the transgender actress, and she was great talking about the whole bathroom issue. And then he had following her a person who supported HB2 and supports the whole bathroom bill thing. And Matthews kept asking, well, what bathroom should Laverne Cox use? And the guy would not answer the question. He started twisting, and he goes, I'm asking a simple question. What bathroom should Laverne Cox use? Should she use the men's room? And it was fascinating to see this guy literally have no answer to that. And Matthews kept badgering him to the point he basically had to basically cut off the interview because the guy would not answer a simple direct question with Laverne Cox in the split screen, what bathroom should she use? And the guy clearly didn't want to say the men's room because he would look like a total idiot. But he could not somehow justify that, and so he just spoke nonsense. So it's one of those times where uh, something on TV can really get to it by a simple visual of you know seeing this beautiful woman um, being told by this guy, in essence, you have to use the other restroom. So, uh, but it, it is little, a story. There's such, there's such little common sense used to craft so many of our laws. Common sense says Max should wrestle boys. Laverne should use the women's restroom. This, this, this is not difficult. Yet, politicians in Austin and Sacramento and Albany and Washington, D.C. have to tell everybody how they have to behave and what they have to think that regardless of party, they just can't get the, 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 the power out of their freaking heads and just, just leave people the hell alone. And remember, these bathroom bills are new. This, is, this wasn't an issue two years ago. I mean, no one cared. No, did anyone ever raise a question of, oh, my God, is that person transgender maybe next to me? It, wasn't, it was a non-issue until they invented an issue to help their mm-hmm. cause, which was to, some, was to deprive LGBT people of their rights, and this was the latest thing. And it's you know, kind of started with that Houston election. So um, we will be talking a lot more about that, and we're going to have a lot more coming out stories. 
Um, and but also check some of the stuff we have uh, this week. We have our first <laughs> an entire gave um, an entire men's volleyball team pro team in Finland is marching in the mm-hmm. Arctic Pride Parade this weekend in support of their gay teammate. That is a first. Although Sid, why you'd have an Arctic Pride march in <laughs> March is totally beyond well, me. Well, but whatever. I guess that's the way they do things in Finland. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll be staying away from Finland until July. Thank you very much. Exactly, but we're going to have coming out stories um, all this month and beyond, and we'll also talk a little bit more about our our uh, sports reunion in Denver, which is going to be exciting. We have some big news coming up on that in the next week or so, but that's all the time we have for now on uh, our podcast, so we will talk to you next week. <laughs>